If you don't believe that you can help a client, they won't believe that you can help them either. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner Khan. Today on episode 598 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with the CEO and co-founder of Two Smart Girls, Christy Metcalf. Christy made the jump from successful corporate professional to her own consulting business, and she realized that selling yourself is very different than selling for an established corporate brand. She teaches professionals how to get the most important elements of a consulting business that are successful, clients, confidence, and cash. Stay with us to hear all the details. I believe everyone should have the opportunity to do what they love and get paid what they're worth. On my podcast, I've interviewed hundreds of successful entrepreneurs, many of whom run consulting businesses. And we've created a free ebook with 49 actionable steps from 49 of our popular episodes to help you smash the plateau in your business and your life. It includes tips to help you with your mindset, relationships, business development, and productivity. You can get your copy of 49 Tips to Smash Your Plateau at smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. Now let's welcome Christy Metcalf. Christy helps women rewrite their story from former corporate yes girl to successful entrepreneur on their terms. A reformed yes girl, people pleaser, and workaholic, She made the leap from corporate employee to successful entrepreneur two decades ago, and now she helps other women do the same thing. Christy uses the same winning framework to educate and support new female entrepreneurs as they step into their new role as CEO and rewrite their story. Christy, welcome to the show. Hi, David. Thank you so much for having me today. How did you make your transition from corporate to consulting? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. So, you know, I sort of followed the plan like I was supposed to from an early age. I was taught that I was supposed to go to college and then I was supposed to get this fantastic corporate job where it would provide security and satisfaction for the rest of my life, of course. And I did that. I followed that plan to a T. And 11 years into it, I was really burned out. I was exhausted. I was traveling all the time. Newly married, did not have a life outside of work. And I was standing in Kansas City doing a leadership program. And I asked my participants to introduce themselves, but to give me a hobby or something that they love doing outside of work. And as 36 people introduced themselves, I realized I had nothing to share outside of work. And I came back and I had a conversation with my boss. It was sort of this epiphany. I had a conversation with my boss and I said, I can't keep this up. I was traveling every single week. I was leaving on Sundays, coming back on Fridays. And I said, I need more balance in my life. And he said, there is no, no. And that really started the, how can I have what I want and do the work that I love, but looking differently. And so for the next six months, I really dug in. My husband actually said, why don't you start your own consulting company? And I said, do people even do that? I wasn't even sure that that I could do that. And so I left six months later, that was two decades ago. And went out and basically did what I love doing on my own terms, helping clients be effective and make money. Did you have any clients when you first started your business? I did not. I left knowing that that would probably be a transition. My husband and I sat down and we really had a transition plan. We did a lot of things 
correctly. We paid off as many things as we could, our cars, all of our bills. The only thing we really had was a house payment. And we identified that I needed to bring in about $10,000. That was before kids. And 10,000 a year or a month? 10,000. I was leaving in October. So I wanted 10,000 for the first six months. And my former employer actually ended up hiring me back. That was my first contracting job. And then from there, it just word of mouth referrals. And I ended up making more in the first six months than I had the entire year that I'd been working in my last corporate job. So it was phenomenal, but it was scary. I want to talk about that transition because I had been in sales. I had actually started my career in sales 11 years earlier. I was a corporate sales trainer and headed up a sales training program. And I am very passionate about sales. But when I transitioned out onto my own, it was the scariest thing that I have ever done to sell myself. And I think that's a completely different sell. You are, you know, when I was representing a company and a product line and services, that seems so much easier than to ask for money for me personally. And I see a lot of entrepreneurs, solopreneurs struggle with that, with the first transition. Over time, it became much easier more, the more I got to know myself, the more I really understood my clients and what they were needing. It was easier to ask for that sale. But in the beginning, it was, I think, surprising to me that it had been so difficult having the sales background and seeing that you really have to put yourself on the line and you have to know what your worth is. And I don't believe that corporate helps us do that. You know, we're sort of conditioned to our 1% salary increases. We don't look at the value of what we do and the results of that work. We are in this system that sort of defines what we can and cannot move and do. And so it's sort of rewriting all of that, right? That, that really, for the first two years, I had to undo what I had learned in a corporate structure and relearn and rewrite it for my own self. So what's one thing that you did for yourself so that you were able to sell yourself for the value that you produced? Yeah. So, you know, the biggest win that I could think of that, that was really radically changing for me was I had a potential client who wanted to do business with me and I made my proposal. I'd gone through several meetings with them and they said that they were willing to pay me half of what I was asking for. And I knew that what I was asking for was actually fair market value. And I was torn because this was my first client outside of my former employer. I really wanted that client on my resume and, and as the win. And I chose to walk away from it. And I actually said to them, I said, you know, I appreciate the offer that you've extended to me. I think that what I am asking for is fair. I think you need to go back and do some research because if you can get it for the price that you want, I fully recommend that you find somebody to do that, but I'm going to have to say no to your offer. And it was scary. It was so scary because I was like, oh, will it come back to me? And two weeks later, they called and they paid me exactly what I was worth. And so that, that really reinforced that you do have a value to stick to your guns, to ask for what you're worth and to go for it. Wow. All right. So yeah, I see people having a very hard time selling themselves. Yeah. Even people who have, like you, who've been in sales and they have been very successful at selling somebody else, selling yeah. a, an existing brand rather than selling something where the brand has not yet been developed. And it is very personal when you're selling yourself. Oh, it is. And, you know, I'll hear clients talk about, well, in my former life, when somebody asked me what I did or who I worked for, I would have no problem saying that. You know, I work with clients who've come from big companies, Walmart, Boeing, Safeway Autoglass. So those kinds of companies, they have no problem saying what they do and who they do it for. 
Then they get out on their own and somebody asks them who they work for and they really stumble. And I actually had a client say, I've had an identity crisis. I don't know who I am anymore. And I said, you're the same person you were before. It's just you don't have that brand, that label wrapped around you. And it's really getting comfortable in stepping into those big shoes that you have for yourself. Right. One of the things I I see people having a a challenge with when it comes to identity is, first of all, in... um, Particularly in America, we're very conditioned for our our identity to be tied to what we're called in relation to what we get paid to do. So you could say, right, meet somebody at a a party. They say, oh, Christy, what do you do? And you say, well, I'm the regional sales manager for Walmart, right? Which is actually not what you do. What you do (laughs) has to do with who you serve and what problem you solve for them. That's right. Right. In a business context. Yeah, but it sounds so fancy and it sounds so important and and we really rely on that. And then we get out, you know, and and I talk about this many times with my clients that, you know, I did not come from an entrepreneurial background. I came from a background in, in my childhood where you did go to college. You got that good job. I was the first one, first generation to go to college. It was a big deal for my family for me to do that. Then when I left, I had all of this guilt, like I should be happy with the life that I've created. Some people would kill for the life that I created. I had a good job. I was making good money. I had a beautiful home, but it was not what I wanted to do. So then I chose to leave and not coming from that entrepreneurial mindset or growing up with it. I laughed that every single quarter that I sent in my my tax returns and I put president as the title right? When I sent those quarterly tax returns in, I was so afraid that the IRS was going to call and say, what? You're really not a president. And I think that we struggle with that, right? We really struggle with that whole identity. And it's because no one knows who we are. No one knows who our brand is. And we have to build that up. Right. So how much did you need to tell yourself what your brand was before you actually sold anything using that brand? Because I I see that that's another place where people have a a great deal of difficulty. Like if you leave your corporate job and you hang out a shingle, even if you have a little bit of paid work in the beginning, you need to put a stake in the ground and say, this is what I'm selling. And you, right, and you need to be able to have the confidence to sell it and charge what you're worth, even if you don't have a, much of a track record. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, you know, I think the biggest mistake that I see most people make is they offer too many things instead of putting that stake in the ground. So they become a jack of all trades in their own business if they could make money. In fact, I recently talked to someone and she said, well, I can offer this and make money. And I said, but it doesn't align with what you're doing right now and the clients that you're serving. And she said, I know, but I can make money. And I said to her, well, McDonald's can also sell tacos, but it's not their brand, right? They could make money selling tacos, but there's somebody else that sells tacos and they're known for hamburgers. And you really do have to draw that that line in the sand and you have to say, what do I enjoy doing? What am I good at doing? What do I want to help clients do and, and problems that they solve? And when you become when you try to become good at everything, you become great at nothing. And so then you're just sort of massaging to each client and trying to become something instead of doing the work that you truly love, which is the reason that you left corporate in the first place to do the work that you love with the people that you love doing it with. Yeah. So what are some of the steps and maybe some stories of, of um, the kinds of people you have helped who have been able to make the transition as successfully as you did? Because I, frankly, I see a lot of people struggle to make as much money as they did in their 
last job. And for the ones that are able to build a successful business where they're doing what they love, they're providing great results for clients, and they're making good money, it often takes them years to get there. Yes. What are, yeah, what, what are some of the... Uh, <laughs> I'll use the word shortcut. I mean, there really isn't a shortcut. You actually have to do the work. But but what yeah. are some of the steps that can help accelerate the process so that you can you can get the business off the ground and build something that you're proud of and that really works for you personally? Yeah, there are no shortcuts. I think what surprises most people is that it really does take a couple of years to get that traction. There's a lot of learning in the beginning, a lot of understanding yourself, a lot of that shifting in your mindset from being that employee now to being you know, this self-employed person. And I'm going to go back to sales because I think most people minimize the sales piece of it. They think that they can build the website, they can create the fancy logo, they can post on social media, and that will just bring clients. You know, we joke about build it and they will come. That really is not how it works in business. And, and you know that as well. And so I say there are three things that you have to be doing every single day in order to get traction in your business faster. And I think that people either don't understand them or they get very lazy in doing them. But the first one is you have to be meeting new people every single day. And, you know, it's, you have to show up when you don't feel like showing up, you have to meet new people. And there's a reason that I say that, and it it sounds very harsh, but nobody knows who you are, right? There are hundreds and thousands of you out there trying to do the exact same thing. So you have to show up and you have to introduce yourself in this new role, this new capacity, this new environment, and tell people what you do. So the first one is meet as many people as you can every single day. The second one is tell them what you do. And those two things together, it's sort of a learning curve. So when you're new, you're trying to get that elevator speech down. You're trying to, oh, what do I do? And you go and meet people and you get a chance to practice, right? And you're like, oh, that kind of fell short. That didn't really resonate. Oh, I don't want to say that again. And it really is a way to practice becoming who you are. And so those are the first two items. And then the third one is to make offers to help people. And I think many people misconstrue and misunderstand that that means making offers to sell, like to to buy from them. It doesn't. It means genuinely serving. And so, you know, I go to so many events. I meet so many people that many times helping them in that very moment is making an introduction to somebody else. It's introducing them to a podcaster that can get them on the show and bring a certain amount of visibility to them. It is introducing them to people already in the networking group that are established and well thought out and have a following. It is not the ABC, always be closing. It is not that. And yet people become very lazy in those three things. They sit behind a computer. I find them in the first couple of years, they're consuming information. They're doing all the, you know, all the webinars and all the training classes. And they spend the $10,000 for a certification to hang it on the wall. And nobody really cares about any of that. What they care about is that you show up and that you offer to help them and that you're credible. You know, I have never worked with a client or a, a corporation that has asked to see any of the credentials on my walls. They don't care about that, right? They they talk to me, they look at the expertise, the credibility, the stories that I tell, and then they decide to do business with me. And I think that many times we minimize the relationship portion of the selling process. You know, intellectually, there's the intellectual needs and the emotional needs when somebody is buying something. And emotional drivers are four times more important in the buying decision than intellectual. So you could have all the MBAs and the PhDs and the certifications on your wall, but if you can't communicate that and build the trust and 
and convey how you can help a client move forward, they probably will not buy from you. They'll go to somebody else. And it really is when you realize that you have your own special recipe and you connect and attract certain clients, it becomes so much easier in finding them. Yeah. So Christy, what's a story of someone who had a long corporate career and followed these three steps that you suggest and ended up building a successful business that she or even he loved? I know you work mostly with women, but um, right. That ended up creating a, especially a one person consulting business that was really successful. Yeah. And so I, I think of a coach that I worked with and that was you know, she came out of corporate consulting and decided to go into coaching and was really focusing on that one client, that one-on-one work. And in the beginning, just got so consumed with the noise out there, the posting every single day on social media, being on all platforms, LinkedIn, you know, Instagram, Facebook, like being in all of these groups. And she became very burned out and exhausted. And when we first started working together, the sales concept was not something that she was really receptive to. It was sleazy. It was slimy. It was cheesy. I don't want to sell people. And we really put a system in place to build her confidence. That's what it is, right? I talk about belief and confidence are so important when you're putting yourself out there. If you don't believe that you can help a client, they won't believe that you can help them either. And so we just put some very simple structures in place to start showing up, to get out from behind the computer and to start telling people what you can do for them. She started speaking at events. She started you know, writing for other people. She started being on podcasts. And then those very simple steps. And the first one is, you know, you have to know who you're looking for. And she was looking for everybody in the beginning. So one of the things that we did was we really narrowed it down. We were like, who do you want to work with? What do you want to help them do? What are the results you want to help them achieve? And, you know, the aha in it was over a course of five weeks, five short weeks, she signed four clients. And she hadn't signed that many clients in a year. And so it is, it can be very simple and straightforward. It's knowing how to position yourself, how to talk the language It's not being afraid that you have something to offer and people are actually looking for it. And, you know, I say all the time, the majority, 98% of it is mindset, showing up and believing that you have something of service and value. And she did. She had all the credentials. She had all the background, all the experience. She was deathly afraid to show up and actually have those sales conversations. And I talk about what's the difference between marketing and selling. You know, I think people do a a nice job in marketing. It's those ways to attract people into you, right? Or to what you do. It's online and offline. It's the social media, but it's also showing up in person. It's showing up in podcasts. Like there's two different avenues. But at some point, you usually have to have that one-on-one conversation with someone, make an offer, and then say yes or no. And we are so terrified of the no that it prevents us from getting to the yes as well. Wow. So now in your business, who is your ideal client? Yeah, my ideal client is actually a woman has made the leap, but typically around that two to three year mark. And I say the first year, the mental transition is there is no longer a paycheck coming in every two weeks. And that is a big hurdle. So the first year is survival for most solopreneurs, entrepreneurs. It is showing that they can last and do it and really break away from that corporate environment. By year two, they've started to make some money, but they don't have a lot of traction. So I love to work with women who are in that two to three year mark. That's typically when the frustration, the burnout, they're losing their sanity. They're looking for anything that can help. They're dabbling in ads. 
And I am a firm believer that you can make the money that you want without fancy funnels or complicated tech or ads. It really is about getting out there and meeting the right people. And so I put them through a 100-day program, weekly accountability calls, tracking what they're doing. You know, I had a client a couple weeks ago that said, well, I just feel like you're not giving me enough business strategies. And I said, well, what kind of business strategies are you looking for? Because the goal is to land clients. And she said, I don't know, something to make it easier. And I said, you mean easier than going out, meeting people, telling them what you do and making offers to help? And she said, yes. And so that really is, (laughs) that is the part of the business nobody wants to do. And it's the part of the business that will make you great. And I think that the accountability and the tracking week to week is so crucial. So on the weeks that my clients say, I didn't sell a client, I asked them, what was your productivity like over the last couple of weeks? And they haven't made any calls. They haven't met people. They haven't had one-on-one conversations. They haven't made offers. And so the proof is always in that tracking system. And so I, I find that, you know, 100 days, they've built their confidence. They've created a system to look for the inefficiencies in their business, ways to make money, and that money is all around them every single day if they're willing to ask for it. I love that. <laughs> Money is around them every single day if they're willing to ask for it. It's so true. Right, which is that, you know, you can put the system and the structure in place, but you do have to actually ask for money. Yeah, I mean, it's literally asking what you what you want. And, you know, when I ask clients, like, did you ask? And they said, no. And I said, why not? It's, I'm afraid what they'll say. You know, I'll send them an email later. And I'm like, the no is just as important as the yes. You know, when my clients say no to me, I ask, what was the reason for the no? And I really want them to dig into it. Now's not the right time. I don't have the money. I'm like, really? You just spent 30 minutes with me talking about how miserable you are. What do you mean now's not the right time? Do you want to be miserable for the next 100 days? Or do you want to fix it in the next 100 days? And so there's a lot to learn from the no's, from what people say. And I make my clients track the no's as well as the yeses. You know, every no. I want them to understand how many calls it takes to get to the yes and how to reproduce that faster. So if it took 40 calls to get the yes, how do we massage it and, you know, narrow it down to really get the yes in maybe 20 calls, 20 calls to 10 calls. And it all comes down to prospecting for the right person, asking the right questions, getting the right person on the phone and asking for it. So Christy, in a nutshell, can it get easier and can it get more comfortable to make offers and ask for money? Oh my gosh, yes. It is literally just a learned behavior. You know, and when I think about being in corporate, we never ask for anything. We have people all around us that their role and responsibility is to help everyone be successful. And so then you get out on your own and you are everything. You are the marketer. You are the salesperson. You are the administrative person. You're the web designer. You you have all of these roles and responsibilities. But at the end of the day, I say that the three things that you need in the first two years of business is you need confidence, you need clients, and you need cash. Those three things will set you up for success. And nobody goes out to look at your website. Nobody goes out to look at the fancy logo. And it does become easier. You know, it's just that we have never, I was listening to your podcast this morning and I was listening to the gentleman that does improv and he was like riding the bike. You know, we call it riding the bike practice. And that is where you actually get on it. You cannot learn how to sell without ever selling. You can read all the books. You can listen to all the masterclasses, but eventually you have to jump on that bike and you have to take it for a spin and you have to make a sales call. And 
It's amazing that if you truly just embrace and accept that this is the most critical part of your business, it is the backbone of your business, and that without it, you're never going to be successful or make the money that you want to, and you really commit to it, and you find the ways to make it easier, and you go in with the mindset of, I am a good salesperson. It starts right there. Most people are like, I'm not a good salesperson. Well, if you think you're not, then you're not. But it does become easier. You know, I had to transition from selling B to B then to selling B to C. That's a completely different sell. Same skills, same foundational fundamental pieces, but it looks a little differently. And so it is all a learning curve. Anything else, you had to learn your job when you first started that first job. This is just a new job and a position for you. Christy, congratulations on what you have built in your business, how you have learned new skills and new behaviors. And it's wonderful that you now teach other entrepreneurs to do the same thing and overcome those bumps, especially in the first few years. If someone wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today, access any resources you may have or get in touch with you, where would be the best place for them to go? Yeah, LinkedIn is a fantastic spot for me. I, I spend a lot of time there. I have some video clips. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, you can find me at Two Smart Girls. That's our company website. There are two of us. One of us focuses on women who are still in the corporate space, and I focus on the ones who have left. And so we would love to help you. Sounds great. Christy, thank you for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and share your insights. My guest today has been the CEO and co-founder of Two Smart Girls, Christy Metcalf. Thank you again, Christy, for joining us. Thank you, David. It's been a pleasure. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how you can get clients, confidence, and cash, and much more. I believe everyone should have the opportunity to do what they love and get paid what they're worth. On my podcast, I've interviewed hundreds of successful entrepreneurs, many of whom run consulting or coaching businesses. We've created a free ebook with 49 actionable steps from 49 of our popular episodes to help you smash the plateau in your business and your life. It includes tips to help you with your mindset, relationships, business development, and productivity. You can get your copy of 49 Tips to Smash Your Plateau at smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.